Sean, the, you headed the radio, the radio coverage of the elections, our first democratic elections in 1994. What was your experiences? Well, coming into the SABC, it was very heady times, you know, very unpredictable. People didn't know what to expect. I mean, I had been, um, I was brought in because I'd been in public broadcasting as a uh, correspondent in South Africa for the National Public Radio of the US. So I had some knowledge of public broadcasting. I'd also done some work with CBC and BBC. Um, but I'd been on the blacklist in, in SABC. So I came straight from being persona non grata to suddenly running the election coverage. Um, and uh, uh, people were very uncertain. People were full of um, concerns. I mean, you know, at that time, the SABC had a, a closet where people kept their guns when they came in. Uh, there was there were there was one journalist who refused to put his uh, to give up his gun because he feared that the ANC were coming in to the SABC and were going to put him at risk. Uh, really, so extraordinary uh, uh, misconceptions about what it would mean. And and what we set out to do was to say that we are now converting from a state propaganda broadcaster to an independent public broadcaster. Let me just ask you, John, um, in your book, uh, God, Spies and Lies, which is an excellent read, you actually said in the book that you were on the SABC's blacklist. Now, how did it happen that somebody who was on the blacklist are then asked to oversee the elections? Well, that's because we were changing. The country was going through a revolutionary change. I was on the blacklist because of my attitude to apartheid as a journalist. Um, and now the, the SABC was being run by people who'd been appointed at Cadeza in a public process, uh, blacks and whites, women and men, um, uh, and we wanted a fair process. Mm. So obviously then the old rules no longer applied. But there were still many of the old managers in, in place who, uh, who were very suspicious, didn't want to see the changes, um, and, and really didn't grasp. And we had, this was our task, was to make people grasp that public broadcasting it really is different mm. from state broadcasting, mm. that it wasn't supposed to go from propaganda for apartheid to propaganda for the ANC or anything else. It was supposed to be about the, put the, the viewer and the, and the listener at the center mm. of the experience. They are our bosses. The reader is our boss. But you, you also say that the old rules didn't apply anymore, but they were also not new rules. Well, yeah. we set out to establish a new culture. Mm -hmm. And the new culture we wanted to establish was independent public broadcasting. Mm -hmm. You are the servant of the, the listener. You are the servant of the listener or the viewer if it's television. And your job is to give them information, not to take sides, to let them hear from everybody, let them hear the ANC, let them hear the National Party, let them hear the Freedom Front, let them decide for themselves, and we interrogate everybody as well as we can. Um, and that was a big change. It took People really didn't accept it. They assumed, oh, it's just going to be the propaganda, just different bosses. But um, you said in your book that you got a call uh, you had to start within four days. You were offered a three-month contract. Now, I've been involved with 
quite a few elections at the SCBC and I know how complicated it is. I mean, it takes months to put an election together. How did you start off? You came from outside. I assume there had to be a cultural change as well. There certainly had to be a cultural change. Uh, but I, I must tell you, I was I, one of the advantages I did have was I was a, a co-founder of something called the Public Broadcasting Initiative, which we'd set up in about 1992. Um, uh, 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 I came back from uh, the University of Chicago. I'd had a fellowship, 91-92. When I came up back, uh, me and a couple of others, we set up something called the Public Broadcasting Initiative. And so we were preparing the ground. And I had actually brought in Canadian election experts from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation and some Australians and British and Americans. And um, so when I was uh, asked to lead the process, I already already had that network Mm. operating uh, for both television and radio. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't, you know, new to it. But you're right. Of course, we had to work extremely fast. I mean, when we started the campaign, we didn't even know if Encarta would participate in the election. Mm. It was only during the campaign that they agreed to to take part. Mm. But I'm very much interested in what you experienced as a leading a leader, leading a team of of journalists, of reporters, of producer, producers in the. SABC newsroom to cover a democratic election. I mean, here you 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 literally had a, a state broadcaster that was the the voice of the state. You've got a, a different groupings that were in exile uh, that people didn't know. You you had to reflect these voices as well. I don't know whether your reporters knew who these people were. So. Uh, you had to, I don't think there was a network, a contact network within the newsroom itself. How did you, and it's very important, it's also things you've built up over many years in your careers as a journalist. How did you, you, you get these people to get out and get the voices of the people and of the important role players out there? Well, a, a big part of it is, as I say, to tell people that this is what we stand for. You can report, you can criticize Mandela, you can criticize de Klerk, you can praise them, you, you know, you can write, you can find people on all, you must find people on all sides of the, of the issues of the day. And as I say, that was a massive cultural shift. And we had to keep singing the same song. Doesn't matter. You can criticize anybody. You you know you don't you're no longer bound by the old rules that the, that whoever's in charge is is always right, and that was a big change. But of course, it happened every day, and it happened from the top. I mean, I was dealing with the existing management, and they said to me, we we needed to expand quickly to hire some black staff, black and female staff, which was far too few. I mean, I had my first meeting. Um, our management meeting with women and blacks at the table, the exec- and 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 there were some of the old guard who were very uncomfortable with that. Uh, it had never happened before, and we did it. And uh, I remember one specific example. They said to me, um, uh, "We can't." I said, "You know, the vendor language radio." Uh, needs needs a strong political uh, journalist, and they didn't have any. And I was told, oh, there aren't any vendor speakers who, who know politics. And I happen to know, and this is a very controversial thing, I happen to know from my reporting as a, as a foreign correspondent for National Public Radio, I'd been to Lusaka, and I'd been to Radio Freedom's uh, uh, studio, 
And I'd met someone there who happened to be uh, Chivenda speaking. And I, I found him. He was in Durban doing some job. And I said, we need you. Uh, and I brought him in. But I wouldn't do it on my own. I made sure all the old guard sat in the interview. Uh, having told me there wasn't such a person, now we found someone. And he, he was very well trained because he'd been trained by Dutch, Dutch radio. And he came in and he was so good um, uh, that uh, that eventually he was used on SAFM as well as the others, uh, you know, the English language yeah. station as well as the others. And he was very good. But there was every day was a battle, frankly. Now, here you were, you were on a blacklist before. You're now heading an elections team. Uh, did people trust you? Did they try to undermine you? Uh, were they receptive for your ideas? Uh, you, you know, I, I, funnily enough, I, I think it's what I'm good at. I'm, a change, I'm, I'm good at a, being a change agent. And what I said to people was, um, look, if you, we have only three months. I mean, when I came in, the campaign had already begun. I said, we don't have time to fire people. You know, that's not what this is about. If I'm not, I, I don't care about your past. It's irrelevant to me who, what, who you did, what you did, what your history is. If you get on board uh, and the program of an independent public broadcaster, that's all I care about. We want you. If you can't, I'm afraid we're just going to have to, you're just going to have to step aside. We don't have time to deal with anything else. It's not time for disciplinary hearings or something like that. We have to run an election coverage that's good and that people value. Um, and that's what we did. And there were people who were very unhappy, uh, uh, who c couldn't adjust. There were some old guard people who couldn't make the change. <clears throat> And also we're stuck with all sorts of fantasies about what it would mean to have a real democracy and how dangerous it would be to have terrorists um, ele elected into government. Yeah, I mean, this I was just thinking about it. These are the same people that refer to people from the ANC, the PAC, and all those organizations that were banned as terrorists. And here they were fighting an election. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite sure that even though they were aware about all the changes, it most probably still slipped through and that you had to pick up and, and, and so on. What, oh, look, what? it did. It did. I mean, frankly, it, it, you know, I, I happen to be Jewish. I'm a very secular Jew. But, uh, you know, I don't think about being Jewish much in the, my life. But when I was in there, I noticed that people saw me as the Jewish person. You know? <laughs> and so, so that was in their heads. Yeah. And, well, I can't help that if it's in their heads. It wasn't in mine. Mm. Uh, but, yes, there were people who were uncomfortable. This, had, this was a Brudebund stronghold. I mean, let's have no doubt. Mm. The SABC had been run by the Brudebund, and it, it favored uh, white Afrikaner males from, the, from three churches. Um, uh, and, and other people were, were less, lesser people. And, and we just made it clear, you know, we're non-racial. And, and, of course, it was something we were very proud of. You know, we had black friends, white women, men, Muslim, Christian, whatever, uh, atheist. Uh, and that was, the, that was the new South Africa. So, I mean, I, th I, I think it's one of the periods of my life I'm most proud of, to be honest, because we were able to set a, uh, um, a value system in place and on the radio and on television that said it's open to everybody. Nobody is excluded. And I think it was, uh, I think afterwards people did say, obviously I'm a biased uh, uh, witness to this, but people did say it was the best 
time the SABC to to be listening to and watching yeah. SABC. Now the the elections are not only about the reporters inside the voters. You also work with political parties and what. How was your experience with the the parties, especially those that were never part of it before, like the ANC and all the other parties like the PAC, Azapa and so on? Did they trust you? Did they trust the SABC? Um, uh, did you receive a lot of complaints? Um, no, we didn't. I mean, look, I think the change we made was so stark and 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 quick and obvious i don't think anybody doubted that uh that this was a new day and a better day for for certainly for all those groups you're mentioning um there were i mean there were one or two incidents when some people inside the sabc who were still had ties to the national party and i remember one guy uh, refusing to we, oh, oh, that's right. Once there was one weekly interview program, actually, funnily enough, I think it was run from Cape Town, and they had arranged, they weren't whole interviewing politicians, but on the last week before the election, they were interviewing President F.W. de Klerk. Mm. And I got a complaint from the DA, <coughs> and um, uh, or what it was then, Progressive Party or whatever yeah. it was called in those days. And they said, you can't do that. This is, is against the rules. And of course, it was against the rules. You, we have to be, you have to give equitable coverage over time. So you're welcome to have a leader of one party, but there's got to be others over time, you know. And um, so I had to navigate that problem. And they said, we're laying a complaint. This is not right. So I, uh, I phoned the, uh, the, the, uh, per, the presenter at the SABC and I said, look, you can't do this. Yeah, we've had a complaint from another party. They want to be present. Mm. You can't just give the clerk a whole mm. hour on the last day when you haven't given that equal time to the ANC and all the other parties. And he, he actually said, and I'm going to give you a quote, he said, if you think I'm going to tell Freddie, that was his <laughs> name for the president of F.W. de Klerk, that he can't be on, that he's got to share the microphone. I, you've got another thing coming. I'm not going to do it. So I had a dilemma. So what did I do? So I, the, the, the complaint came from the uh, uh, Democratic Party. And so they said, look, we're going we're gonna to show up. And uh, we want your, you know, we want to know that we'll get a fair hearing. And I called the guy and I said, the the Democratic Party guy is going to be there and he wants to be on the air and you've got to give him time. Mm. And they did very gradually. Yeah. <laughs> and we resolved the matter. Yeah. So, John, the you've had an English station. You have the Afrikaans. That was sort of the, what do they call it? They call it, you had to be bilingual. So that was sort of the two major languages on the station. Then, of course, there were all the the other radio station, the African language stations. And now you're changing things. You you now had black people speaking on Afrikaans radio and in English radio. How receptive was with the audiences for that change? It was very interesting complication and complicated. Um, of course, we had all 11 official languages, uh, um, all had their own radio stations 24 hours a day. And we actually built uh, special studios in Johannesburg for all of them, for election studios. Um, and uh, 
uh, well, obviously the uh, the African language stations were used to it, so, so it was. No, but but of course they were bringing in more white uh, politicians to speak there too. Um, the I'll tell you where I did get uh, another element of what you see as the sort of behind the scenes kickback. Um, I uh, I'd been a radio person for many years. I love public radio, and uh, uh, there was a producer who's I didn't want to do anything on the air myself because I was in charge. But he said he wanted to produce one piece on the history of apartheid, which uh, I would uh, write and voice, and we would and it was very highly produced uh, with a lot of different kinds of sound elements and so on, and. Uh, we would run it after the election was over while we waited for the results. And in fact, the results took quite a long time. And so you, you had a lot of airtime to fill. So I did this piece and it was uh, run. And while it was running, this was obviously after the election, a woman, a white woman, obviously, who was a traditional listener to the English language station, called in and complained. And I said, yeah, yeah, what, what's the issue? She said, no, look. Apartheid is over now. It's, it's done with. Let's forget about it. It's, it's over. Yeah. And I said, well, thank you for your call. We'll put you on the air. And she said, no, I don't want to be in the air. I want you to take that, sh that, that, that piece off. We don't want to hear about the history of apartheid now. It's over. And I said, well, that's an important point of view that we want reflected on the yeah. air and we're putting you through to the studio. Yeah. And of course, she put the phone down. So yeah. it was, again, this issue of building the culture of transparency yeah. that, you know, everything you say, you must be prepared to go into the into the uh, marketplace of ideas. And of course, there were people like that who called on my the, the private phone or, you know, the private yeah. extension of them of the electoral uh, editor, executive editor of elections, and thought she could just have a private word with me and yeah. we'd suppress it. We said, no, we don't suppress it. We, we encourage you to say yeah. to talk about it. So what did you have then? Um, you've had the, the formal structures of Radio News with its editors, the editor-in-chief and so on, and then you've had you. So how did you work together? Did you discuss the stories, ideas, or the, the diaries, or how did you you know, work every day? Well, uh, um, yeah, I think, yes. Uh, uh, um, uh, what we did was we set up a whole set of series. Uh, so we had a series on the leaders, we had a series on the policies, series on the political parties, um, and each of those ran, and, it, and, and we put that out, and it was ran on all 11 stations. Um, and then, of course, as you know, and, and it's a problem you haven't escaped uh, now, is you, you've got to fill uh, programming on a, in 11, excuse me, in 11 languages. Yeah. And of course, uh, we had some journalists who spoke only one language, and we even had one or two who spoke all 11. And of course, that's always an impossible thing to do yeah. at the SABC, or you know better than yes. I. Um, how do you get, uh, how do you decide who should cover President Mandela, who, or ANC leader Mandela as they are, who should cover de Klerk, and how do you balance it? And, and of course, we, we also found, um, I remember sending the Chivenda language uh, person to interview Cyril Ramaphosa, who was not uh, in the lead, you know, wasn't going to be president, but he was part of the ANC leadership. And they wanted to interview him in Chivenda because at least we could get, you know, that's his home language. And he wasn't comfortable because actually he was such a, political person in English, 
that he really preferred to speak in yeah. English some of the time. And so those are the sort of things you, you just you just had to had to manage. Yeah. In your book you also mentioned that um the the radio archives in Auckland Park is quite extensive and they've got speeches of people from many decades ago, but there were no voices of black people. Uh, how did you overcome that? Because I think archive material is quite important in, you know, in special events like elections, for example. Absolutely vital, of course. Um, um, uh, we had no black voices on Sharpville and no black voices in the archive on Soweto 76. And of course, that was intrinsic if you were going to understand apartheid. How could you do it without dealing with at least Sharpville and Soweto 76 and, of course, other things? And what we actually did was we, we uh, contacted BBC and Voice America and we got them to send down the line the interviews they had done. And it included, I, I had done a series for, for public radio in America mm. on, on June 76, mm. and I'd interviewed people like Murphy Morovi and many others. Mm. And that archive was in Washington, and we got them to send that down the line to, uh, to Auckland Park, mm. and we reused that material. Yeah. Look, at the end of the day, you've, you've got a budget, and I assume there were a lot of resources made available, not only in the country, but also from donors from abroad and so on. But at the end of the day, you still need to make decisions. How are we going to allocate these resources? Who's going to go where? Um, how did you do that? How did you, you plan your stories? How did, did you get input from your reporters or from the other editors? Yes, well, we were meeting with them every day. Um, um, uh, just, just one other thing I wanted to add while I mention, while I think about it is um, um, you, what you were saying about the archive. Uh, not only were there no black voices, but on the other side, we found, obviously you had, what we discovered is there must have been librarians or archivists at the SABC who were really dedicated to doing their job properly. And so we actually found the voice of Vladimir Lenin from 1917, when he came back to Russia from exile mm. to lead the revolution. So they had that in Russian, obviously. Yeah. And nobody had, had censored that and removed it. Of yeah. course, it probably was never used, but, yeah. but it was there. Um, on the other hand, uh, and not only were there no black voices mm. that we could find on any of the relevant issues, but even Nelson Mandela's mm. speech from the dock, there was actually a note there saying this has been removed. For uh, for security reasons, in other words, it was censored. So we we had to get that also from overseas. Uh, we didn't have it in South Africa, which of course is shameful. We this is South Africa's history; it's not anybody else's primary history. And I assume that was destroyed. I mean, the we never found it. I don't know what they yeah. did did with it. But there was a copy, as you know. There is there is a copy. Yeah, and it was it's possible, available now. Possible to make make mm -hmm. a copy of it. Um, but to, to your point about resources, um, I don't know what to add. I mean. We moved with three months to go, uh, notice. We couldn't, you know, make major fundamental change to budgets. Mm. Uh, but since we were running the election as a whole, we could allocate people as 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 fairly as we could. Of course, it's not. It was not totally fair, because I mean, uh, and and some of these problems haven't been removed to this day. The uh, English and Afrikaans uh, radio stations had far more uh, transmitters mm. than, it, you know, you have uh, what was still, before Ukosi FM became Ukosi FM, it was 
uh, the Zulu language yeah. radio, and they had they had millions of listeners even then. Now they have over seven million. Um, but they had a small number of transmitters now. So there's always the argument. On the one hand, uh, you can argue that, that langu African languages can be defined to more geographic areas than English or Afrikaans, which are national. But the fact is it was very un uneven. And we, we, couldn't, we, we didn't have the time to, mm. to apply to change transmitters and frequencies and so mm. on. We had to deal with what we had. Yes, um I just want to come back to the staff then that you've, and I hear you are saying you've appointed people from outside, but there's also the way you are produced. You can't just really walk into a studio and start interviewing somebody because it's, some of it is very technical and you have to learn how to do it. Uh, you brought in new people. Uh, I heard you were saying that you met with women and black reporters. Now, I think that must have been quite a huge thing in the SABC because I remember how I was told there were different meetings for different racial groups. I mean, black editors sat up, uh, in a separate on a separate floor. They catered for different news bulletins and there wasn't really any interaction and here you came you changed all that and that's why I spoke about mm. the, the cultural change but it must have been huge for a lot of people and also let's not forget people must have been very much aware that they were going to lose some of them were going to lose their jobs after the changes because change had to happen new people had to be brought in um, so that must have played uh, a role there as well. Maybe people's anxiety, it was all new. They were uncertain about the future that they were going to enter. And yes, I agree with what you said earlier. The The coverage of the 1994 election was, was exceptional. I mean, it sort of let in a new era of broadcasting. And I think till today, we still follow some of it. I mean, the world has changed in the past, what, 25 years, but some of it we still follow from from 1994. Yes, yeah. that's right. Look, I, I, as I say, I tried to reassure people. I mean, I had a three-month contract, so I couldn't uh, exceed my brief. Mm. I think they extended it a week or two because mm. the election, the results were slow to come. I, I said to people, "I'm not. Your past doesn't matter. To in this process, we want you to come on board the new regime, and we we really laid out a strong vision. We knew exactly what we wanted." Uh, to see the vision we had. The vision was independent public broadcasting, not just another state broadcaster with another leader or another party. And um, uh, people, you know, had their difficulties adapting. And we didn't hire many people. I, I hired Ferial Hafferji was one of them, a couple of others, but it was a very small number. But I'll tell you what I think did happen that I was, was very um, exciting is people from all walks of life started to see the value of what we were saying. That actually, you know, this is a good thing. Uh, independent public broadcasting, having everybody's opinion, freedom of expression, that you can be outspoken, you can't be abusive, but you can be outspoken with whatever you want to say. Um, and um, I, a lot of professionals who had um, accepted propaganda journalism for a long time adjusted. Of course, it's interesting. You can't tell who, who will change and who won't. Yes. There were a couple of people I would have thought 
you know, I might have assumed would change easily and, mm. and appreciate it and who just dug their heels in. They couldn't accept it. They couldn't accept that black people were the equals or, 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 or betters. Um, but, uh, but I really think that a lot of people from the old guard still come up to me today and have a soft spot for the moment when they could start to see themselves as genuine professionals uh, who genuinely search out different points of view, not, not a, you know, a monopoly of ideas. When I assume there was also a sense of achievement and a sense of satisfaction after the elections when the results came in and they were general, people were generally happy with the way the elections went and the SCBC covered the elections as well. That, that must probably laid the foundation for the future SCBC that was going to evolve. Yes. You know, I, I started on, I think, the 2nd of February 1994. Uh, uh, and uh, Zuolaki Sisulu started the same day as me. And I went in to run the election for the radio, and Zuolaki went in to sort of deputize to the CEO. And I think uh, Zuolaki's um, uh, um, period at the helm, because later he would become CEO, I think that was uh, that was also reassuring pe to people, because, I mean, I knew, I'd known Zuolaki was a friend, and... Um, uh, people again, you know, they saw the name Susulu and they were my, thought it was terror, terrorists and terrified. But I think they started to realize that he was also, an, you know, like most of the Susulus, quite an exceptional, uh, um, uh, open-minded person who believed in professionalism. He had trained on the Ron Daily Mail, yeah. um, and so, where where I worked, and so I think I think that did reinforce it. Of course, we know that after that, things started to become, um, you know, there were there were there were people both in in government and in um, and in the SABC who thought it should revert to being just a, a mouthpiece for the ANC, uh, and and so it went through thin days. And I think we're back. Yeah. You've you've told us about a few anecdotes, incidents. What? What is the one thing that you will remember about your three months in the ACBC newsroom in 1994? There is one thing. Um, I went into the uh, Causa language station at about three in the morning while we were waiting for results. And uh, the, the women were very emotional. And we were just waiting for the, for the outcome. Don't know why I'm getting so emotional, but um, I just remember them singing and saying, "Well, the president this time will be from our party, from our country, from our language." That was very moving. Just shows how important language is in the society that we live in. John, the uh, I just want to talk to you briefly about your role afterwards at ICASA when you became a councillor. Sure, because. Today we use uh, ICASA, we use the Broadcasting Act, we use the Broadcasting Complaints, uh, Complaints Commission and we use our editorial charter to guide us in, our, in the coverage of our elections, which you of course didn't have in 1994. Um, and you literally laid the foundation there, not in, in the SABC newsroom and how you were covering the election, but also afterwards on how we are covering it 25 years later. Tell me about your time there briefly. Well, yes, I mean, w w we set up the, f the rules, which I think are to some extent still applied, that there are four different kinds of 
on-air activity, election-related. There's news, there's current affairs, there's uh, party election broadcasts that are free and paid ads. And we had a different set of rules for each, and we had to really just spell it out. News is driven largely by the news, and that means inevitably people in government will get more airtime, and that's unavoidable. The president says something, it's, it, he makes news, he makes policy, he makes decisions. That has greater uh, uh, news value than, say, uh, you know, someone from a small party. Um, uh, but you try to make take care that you get someone from the other from the opposition parties to respond to get a reaction. Um, current affairs, we worked hard to make sure that all current affairs programming over time would be equitable. Mm -hmm. So you know we had to say say well if you're a tiny party you can't expect exactly the same. Uh, airtime as as a big party. That's why we use the word equitable, not equal. Um, but over time, everybody's got to have a share, uh, their say in it. Uh, party election broadcasts, and, and there was, the, uh, in fact, before ECASA, for that election, there was the Independent Media Commission, IMC, and they were involved in these rules, and they developed a formula for how much party election broadcast time for each party. And they had to they had to make assumptions, which fortunately they had to do, not me, not us at SABC, to say that obviously they had to make a judgment based on opinion polls and so on, that the ANC and the National Party were the biggest parties and so on down the line. Um, and then ads, ads we, we didn't allow ads on TV, but we did on radio, and that was just subject to uh, uh, messaging to say this is not the view of the, of the SABC. Yeah. And it's all implemented today, yes. what you've done, the yes. work that you've done. There. Yes. But thanks very much. And <laughs> thank you also for laying uh, the broadcast rules for democratic South Africa and for a future generation. And as I said to you earlier, we are still using uh, what you set out in 25 years ago. We are still using in this election in, in 2019. Thanks so much, Kenneth. That's one of the best things we ever did. <laughs> thank you.